0: You are listening to the PoliticalBetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Deal or no deal, that seems to be the conundrum at the moment as May's Checkers plan lurches from one uh, crisis to the next. Um, we've been looking at some opinion polling on whether or not people support her plan and what people would choose in a three-way uh, battle between remain, Checkers, and no deal. Lots of polling on this out at the moment. I suspect there'll be lots um, to come. But what do the public think? We'll be looking at that and what that might mean um, for a hypothetical future referendum or indeed how the debate progresses in Parliament when we come back from recess. We're also going to be looking at this idea of a new party. It doesn't seem to go away. Vince Cable missed a very important vote on Brexit to, to go to a dinner where they were discussing setting up a centrist party that opposed Brexit. But would that party win any votes? Or might there be other types of new parties that would be more popular overall I will also make time on this podcast to discuss the death penalty following Sajid Javid's uh, decision to allow uh, former members of the so-called ISIS Beatles to be um, extradited to the US where they may face the death penalty. What do the public think about that? And what do the public think about the death penalty more generally? And if we've got time, we might talk about Jeremy Corbyn's speech about Brexit this week, which seems to have been making waves, at least on social media. So to go through all of these topics and more, I'm joined by podcaster in crime, Leo Barassi. Leo, welcome. Hello, Karen. So, Leo, you weren't on last week, and it seems like since you were last on, there's been a lot of um, polling around this idea of a No Deal Brexit. Um, certainly, it seems to have been emboldened a bit by Dominic Raab um, talking in Parliament about, you know, stockpiling food and so on and so forth. So, it feels like there's been a step change, at least in, in, in the public domain, about how seriously the government's taking the prospect of No Deal. Um, what, is, what does the polling say?
1: Right. Well, this is all in the context of the Chequers plan and the response to that in Parliament and particularly among Tory MPs, which has hardly been wildly enthusiastic. And, and uh, there have been a couple of polls uh, on it. And uh, the one that I'm going to focus on is the uh, Sunday Times YouGov from this weekend. And what they did is tested no deal against Brexit, against uh, remaining in the EU, structured in the way that um, uh, Justin Greening has suggested the referendum should be held, that is giving people um, the three choices and the second preference and then reallocating to see which wins. Um, and the thing that I think is really striking and particularly important for politics over the next few months is that Checkers does really badly relative to no deal among Quite, quite a few groups, but I think most significantly among Tory voters. So just just looking only at the first preference, among people who currently say that they'd vote for Tory, 53% their first choice would be leaving without a deal, compared with only 17%, 17% saying that they would um, uh, take the Chequers plan. So essentially, uh, in the territory of three times as many saying that they would prefer no deal. To checkers, that feels to me like a massive problem for the government because when whatever version of checkers' plan we're talking about comes up for a vote in the autumn, in perhaps around four months, there's going to be a lot of Tory backbenchers who are kind of wavering, probably the kind of people who would think that checkers is better policy than no deal, but are looking at their. Uh, constituency associations that are looking at their um, voters and thinking that if if public opinion is like it is at the moment, with very little support for checkers and much more support for no deal, then essentially they're going to be eaten alive if they are seen to be backing uh, something as uh, unpopular, sordid, uh, selling out as Checkers is seen to be. Uh, and that's obviously going to make life very difficult for a government that has a narrow majority at the best of times and is going to need uh, the support of a lot of uh, unenthusiastic backbenchers to get get something like Checkers through. So it feels like government has about four months to change public opinion because right now um, a worried Tory MP looking at public opinion would think that no deal is really the only thing that they can vote for.
0: Yes, and just to add to that, I mean, looking at the numbers at an overall level, um, the way this poll was presented, it was almost in a, a almost like a three-way choice between remain, leave, and um, leave without a d- leave with checkers and leave without a deal, as you as you describe. That wasn't exact wording. We can post a link to the tables later. At the total sample level, um, 50% chose remain. 11% chose leave the EU and accept the deal, so th- the checkers deal, although that's not finalised yet, of course. And 38% said um, leave the EU um without a deal. So clearly people taking to heart this idea that um Theresa May once said no deal is better than a bad deal. But then if we look at some of the um some of the other numbers uh, in the poll probably I don't know. It depends how you want to look at it. But there's one that jumped out for me. Um, from what you have seen or heard about the Brexit deal agreed at the Chequers meeting, do you think it would be good or bad for Britain? 12% said good for Britain. So that's obviously not, not a good number. Very similar to the number that um, overall support it. Um, 43% say it would not be good for Britain. But 45% said don't know, including one, one in three Conservative voters. So maybe, Leo, that shows there's a, a chink of, of light there for the Prime Minister if they can get the messaging right.
1: Yeah, I strongly suspect that all of these numbers are soft and have a lot of potential to move around. The trouble that the government have got at the moment is checkers is seen as sort of the specific thing that's on the table. I mean, your point, your point notwithstanding, that um, there's a lot of people who don't really know what it is. Mm. Um, it is still essentially, you know, somewhat close to. Um, a, a specific, tangible proposal for how we leave the EU. And the trouble is, at least in terms of the public debate in general, No Deal isn't that, uh, and indeed, remaining in the EU isn't that. Both of them are sort of idealised versions of what people um, want the future to be, without them kind of being tied down to policies. So, No Deal is a sort of is code for tough, showing showing Johnny Foreigner that that we've got some good British steel, and you know, we're we're not going to be bullied around. Uh, Romania in the EU is sort of uh, outward-looking internationalist. Um, we're, we're part of the club. Larger of them, people are really being forced to say, well, yeah, but what specifically are you offering? So the challenge and the task for the government, because Chequers is obviously, or whatever plan is going to be, that is necessarily going to be tangible and specific. The challenge that they've got is to t- make the other options tangible and specific. So when when it comes to a choice, it has to be between, from the government's perspective, their plan and an alternative plan. If it's their plan versus some vague aspiration of leaving and and making Britain a, a world trading country and and, re- and taking back control, then they're going to lose. But if it's the Chequers plan versus a specific set of setting of, of trading arrangements and specific uh, things like uh, a hard border in Northern Ireland, then they've got a fighting chance.
0: And that's going to be that's going to be the challenge to set that all out, isn't there? I mean, I must admit. I mean, what do you make of? Um the current messaging around no deal, I must admit, it's a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, I can't work out whether the Prime Minister wants no deal to be something that's seen as conceivable and something that she might do, and therefore means she can walk away from negotiations, because that's presumably the message you'd want to send to the European Union. Or if she wants to say, look, this is really bad, and we don't want to do that. Uh, and therefore, you need to take whatever deal I bring back um, from from the European Union. It feels like a bit of an inherent contradiction, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I entirely agree. I think there's a massive challenge because they're facing in a couple of different directions. So in a way, you need uh, what what the, what Theresa May needs is that she is seen to be saying no deal is a plausible option uh, because that'll help her, in, help her in the UK with uh, saying that she making her look like a tough negotiator um, and potentially help her with Brussels. Though so I'm not sure whether they'll actually believe her. Um, but she needs other people who are on her side to be firebombing no deal so that um Tory MPs are looking at public opinion and thinking actually there isn't really any support for this we need to get behind the government but I don't think that Theresa May is the person who can deliver that messaging it needs to be other people who support her kind of plan let's say someone whose name ro- might rhyme with Geichel-Move um, <laughs> but there's a another option or another another set of players and that's the the die-hard Remainers what do they do here and I think there's, there's a weird paradox that you might think that they they should be trying to kill No Deal as well, but perversely, I wonder whether actually the thing that's in their interest is to keep No Deal alive, so that uh, so that Tory backbenchers continue to to oppose something like Chequers, because if it's if their option of saying an EU or a second referendum is up against a compromise like Chequers that has become reasonably popular or sort of accepted as inevitable, then. They're in trouble, but if you if you really really want Britain to stay in the EU, actually you want the option to be No Deal or staying in the EU because that's a battle they might potentially win. So weirdly, if you're a diehard Remainer, you might actually right now want to be keeping quiet about No Deal and just let it let it get a little bit closer, try and kill Checkers because Checkers is the thing that takes us out of the EU.
0: The trouble is, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that logic, but the trouble is that I mean, there was a a poll almost to that effect uh, as part of the YouGov survey, a question to that effect where it, it asked people their second preference behind uh, after, um, so this, again, uh, deal, no deal, remain, kind of three-way choice. It asked people their second preference and when you reallocated second preferences, um, basically when you kick out checkers, I think, um, because that came third, then remain wins by 53 to 47. Now, leaving aside that the, a lot of the polls showed remain leading in the uh, ref- referendum itself, um, yeah, that would be encouraging for Remainers that they, if, if they can make what, you, if, what you've what you just said is true, basically, that if they can make it a choice between no deal, Brexit and Remain, people will go to Remain after all. The problem is that that's not really quite clear who's proposing that. I mean, yes, we've talked about off Justin Greening's proposing that, but no one that can seriously create that scenario where that referendum happens is proposing that, right? So people might want to make it a choice between a no deal, Brexit and Remain, but isn't the choice really going to be between whatever deal Theresa May brings back and uh, and no deal? And it won't be a choice, crucially, in the country, I suspect. It'll be a choice in Parliament as well. And very unpredictable set, set of circumstances, of course. But yeah, maybe May is is planning what you've always said, that, well, she's going to bring back a deal and then she fancies the chances of taking on no deal in Parliament, I just don't know, particularly if the polls keep turning against the Tories. This one wasn't particularly bad. Um, the the get the Labour lead was back down to one, but last week it looked like people were uh, sort of Brexiters were fanning off to UKIP to um, because they didn't like checkers. If that seems to um, carry on or seems to be permanent, then um, she's going to have a tr- she's going to have a problem, isn't she? Because the Jacob Rees smogs will say not only are you ideologically wrong, but you're politically wrong too.
1: Right, so the way you you pitch it feels to me like the way that the government uh, are playing it, and I think should play it, which is to crowd out Remain by having the two options being uh, uh, like it, or, like our deal or lump it. Uh, you know, it's our deal or no deal. I think if if you don't want that to be the two options that are on the table, then the thing that you've got to kill is the government's plan. Uh, no deal is always going to be something that's theoretically on the table, uh, but. If you can essentially make the government's plan so unpopular that um, when the option is our, uh, uh, our deal or no deal, then the government knows that no deal is going to win, then I guess the hope for a remainder might be that the government looks at that and thinks no deal would be so utterly disastrous. We can't have that blood on our hands. We've got to do something different, open up to a second referendum or whatever. I agree it's wildly unlikely. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a situation that that mm. you could you could see be, being particularly plausible, but you know if if your mission is to uh, uh, to stay in the EU somehow, then I think the Czechos plan is your enemy.
0: And Jeremy Corbyn, of course, keeping his powder dry it seems. Although um, there were there were he gave a speech this week about Brexit and the economic potential economic benefits. Um, And he talked about Britain making things and having a a stronger manufacturing base. I think a lot of his comments about cheap foreign labour were maybe misinterpreted on social media by people that didn't necessarily read what he actually said. He seemed to be talking about cheap foreign labour in the context of things being made abroad rather than... um, sort of immigrant labour and freedom of movement and that sort of thing. But I did chuckle to myself in this poll, 71% uh, think that his Brexit policy uh, is, well, Labour's Brexit policy is unclear, including more than half of Labour voters. So, you know, that that sort of constructive ambiguity, whether deliberate or otherwise, uh, sort of continues apace, doesn't it? But. I suppose uh, maybe if people are waiting for him to come out in favour of a second referendum and remain after all, they might be uh, waiting a long time. You do sort of wonder whether he's hoping that a no-deal Brexit happens and it's a bit of a winter of discontent moment on the reverse that that puts a, a socialist government in power for a decent chunk of time.
1: Well, of course he is. And I mean, of course, of course, of course, the um, uh, uh, Labour's position is widely seen as unclear. I mean. I don't know who the 29% are who say that Labour's position is clear, including a 6% who say that it's very clear. I mean, you know, um, amongst people who pay a lot of attention to politics, there's still little sense that Labour's position is clear. So um, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's exactly the point. It's sort of to try and uh, be, be, uh, uh, make it as hard as possible to pin down what Labour are saying on the issue and hope that the government uh, continue to lose popularity on it and, Frankly, it's a it's a strategy that's working out very well at the moment.
0: Let's talk a bit about this idea of new parties. Um, Vince Cable famously, as I said in the introduction, missed the, one of the key Brexit votes last week that we were discussing with Asa Bennett from The Telegraph um, because he was at a dinner talking about a, a new party. I'm not quite sure how far that was going. And this is something that keeps coming up, doesn't it? I mean, for for good or bad, people keep debating it. Um, Maybe it's a Westminster bubble story, maybe it's not. But you have have included some polling on that in this same survey. And there's three different types of party that they've asked about. They've asked about a party on the political right committed to leaving the EU. They've asked about a party in the political centre committed to opposing Brexit, which is presumably what Vince Cable's after. Uh, And a party uh, on the political right... um, Far-right, sorry, a party on the political far-right, that's important, committed to opposing Islamism and immigration and supporting Brexit. So they asked um, on a sort of four-point scale how likely, um, uh, if at all, would you be to vote for a new political party? Thirty-eight um, percent were likely to vote for this uh, political party of the political right committed to leaving the EU. Thirty-three percent were likely to vote for a party of the political centre committed to opposing Brexit, and twenty-four percent, somewhat worryingly, said they were likely to vote for a party of the far right. Um, but this is, these numbers are are interesting in, sen- in the sense of they capture public sentiment on some of these uh, hypothetical parties. But I would caution against people extrapolating from them how the the potential vote share they might get in a uh, in a a potential election. Um, Very plus fairly likely uh, is is quite a low bar to clear, I think. So if we take the the party of uh, the political centre, for example, committed to opposing Brexit, yes, one in three say they're likely either very or fairly to vote for that. But only 13 percent said they were very likely. So, although if I'm Labour, I'm looking at those the fifty percent of Labour voters that say that they're either very or fairly likely, um, or I'm looking at the one in five Labour voters that say they're very likely to vote for such a party. Although I'd be concerned by that, I don't think we should necessarily look at these numbers and say, oh, well, that's it then. Um, it's definitely going to be the case that a new party should be launched and would be very successful. But uh, how do you how do you interpret some of these numbers? I think it's uh, it's interesting for sentiment at the very least, right?
1: Yeah. Um... Look, they're they're of they're of interest, but I mean to give a couple of examples of where where I uh, numbers in them that make me pretty sceptical. So nineteen 19 percent of Labour voters say that they would be very likely to support a party in the political centre committed to opposing brexit um actually specifically it's would you how likely would you be to vote for so one in five labour voters say they'd be very likely to vote for a political party in the uh, party in the political centre that opposes brexit i mean there literally is a part a major national party in the political centre that's committed to opposing voters they closing brexit and labour vote and one in five labour voters currently say that they're they uh, they vote for them do not. They say that they'd vote for Labour rather than the Lib Dem. So already that's a big chunk who whose answers in this very poll belie what they say that they would do. Uh, also a bit of a shout out for the 5% of current Lib Dem voters who say that they would vote for a party on the political far right that's uh, committed to opposing Islamism, immigration and supporting Brexit. Um, there's always a couple of percent in polls who give uh, pretty wacky answers but um, I think Yeah, the trouble with these questions is you sort of, um, you pull out a couple of policy areas and um, people can respond on those. But actually in the reality of, well, when they've got a leader who looks and sounds like this, who may may or may not think that gay sex is a sin or... um, who has got a history of uh, supporting or not supporting the IRA or whatever, then there's a bunch of other stuff that in reality comes into play and just sort of conjuring up the idea that the party in the political centre committed to opposing Brexit could get one in three voters. Well, that's fine. But, um, you know, there the were at the local elections um, parties that were doing exactly that, uh, separate from Lib Dems, and they also didn't break through. So it's not like... Just because people say in theory they support them, that, some, that a party emerges and suddenly everyone behaving as rational choice theorists would suggest um, flip over and say, right, that's the party that's closest to what I want, therefore I'm going to vote for them. There's a ton of stuff that um, uh, determines what people actually do that you can never capture in a question like this.
0: Yeah, and the context is really important of how such a thing came to be. I mean, I'm a bit more sympathetic to the argument that. Um, you know, these Labour voters that say they vote for a party of the political centre committed to opposing Brexit aren't completely fibbing, may um, maybe uh, your, your position there. Because I think, yes, the Lib Dems are that party, but then there's all, there's all sorts of legacy brand issues around the Lib Dems, surely, right, in terms of their leader, uh, in terms of um, his, his connection to the past um, coalition government that was, uh, you know, probably did a lot of things they didn't particularly like. Um, I think there's a. I think there's a brand new entity has the potential to be a cleaner skin, shall we say, um, than the Liberal Democrats. But of course, the downside to that is, does it have the organisational muscle and funding? I mean, maybe the funding is available somewhere. Right. And the,
1: and the people who people have heard of, but who uh, somehow are not tainted by having previously adopted political positions or taken actions that make yeah. them unpopular with a large chunk of the people that they want to vote for them.
0: I mean, I mean when I look at these numbers, I think that the ones that strike me as probably the most interesting/slash concerning are the ones around the far right. Um, yes, they're the lowest number in absolute terms. So, 24% said they were likely to vote for a party at the far right. 13% said very likely. Um, but this feels like you know, it's I, I, I take that as less to do with how less uh, um, a reflection on how well a particular political party would do, but more just the idea that one in four people are quite happy in a poll expressing support for those sorts of ideas. So uh, the far right, opposing Islamism and immigration, supporting Brexit. Okay, within, if you were doing a focus group, you could deconstruct that sentence and some things would be more controversial than others. I think the idea that, for example, uh, one in five current Tory voters would be very likely to support the far right is worrying. Yeah,
1: but you've got to be, um, you've got to remember that for most people, the phrase the far right doesn't mean that uh, exactly what it means to uh, people who are so close to watching politics. I Do mean think so? you know, when as you say you break break that down uh, opposing islamism well you know Tony Blair opposes islamism opposing islamism is a pretty centrist political view not islam but islamism as in uh, a, a political ideology um immigration, opposing immigration, well, that's pretty mainstream, supporting Brexit, I just won a referendum. So take out the words far right in that sentence, and actually the policy stuff that people are being asked to support are all pretty mainstream.
0: Mm, Maybe. I don't know, that feels like, I mean, when you put that together as a package, that feels like there's a fairly obvious statement that's made. Yeah, there's a
1: code of what they're trying to get at, but we're assuming that um, the, in theory, ordinary members of the public who've taken this survey understand the code
0: sure um moving on i wanted to talk a bit about the death penalty because that's something we haven't really talked about on this podcast very much off doesn't usually come up but it has come up this week with uh sajid javid's uh, decision to not seek assurances about um, whether or not the so-called isis beetles uh, two of them uh, i hate that phrase but we'll use it for shorthand anyway um should um, not to seek assurances that they won't face a death penalty if they're extradited to america um, and there was a lot of a furore on social media about this. And Yes, we live in a social media bubble, many of us are very guilty of that. But at the same time, lots of journalists on there that write for major newspapers or major news outlets. So it's kind of relevant to see what people, how people are responding. And it did, it did produce something of a visceral reaction uh, on, online um, against um, and people were criticising Sajid Javid for that. I had a suspicion, though, that that might not be what the public thought, and that seems to have been borne out from a flash poll uh, YouGov have done. So they had a survey that said, it's it's a fairly long-winded explanation, but I'll try and uh, read it out as quickly as possible. So it said, the British government policy, as opposed to the death penalty, and the government will normally oppose British citizens being um, tried abroad if they might receive the death penalty. Two alleged ISIS terrorists who uh, formerly had uh, British nationality are now uh, due to face trial in the United States after the British government said that in this case they would not seek assurances that the pair would not receive uh, the death penalty. Do you think? And there's basically three choices I give them. One is that the government is right to make an exception and allow them to be prosecuted somewhere where they may receive the death penalty. 62%. Um, 20% opposed and 18% said they didn't know. I won't read the the full wording out for the rest of the survey, but clear, overwhelming support um, for Sajid Javid's uh, policy there. I mean, I suppose that isn't, in my opinion, that isn't that surprising. I mean, But what do you make of it? I mean, the death penalty is obviously a very controversial issue. We haven't, we don't really debate that much in this country. And I mean, there's no real evidence in my mind of it coming back, but still it evokes strong reactions, doesn't it?
1: Right. So on the polling numbers first, um, I think the, num- the result you've just given is not at all surprising. Um, I looked at this a few years ago um, and looked at polls in the sort of territory of 2005 to 2011. Um, and what I found was when you spell out a particular kind of heinous murder, so uh, murders as part of a terrorist act or child murder, uh, something like that. You get between, I found, sixty-one and sixty-six percent of people saying that they support the death penalty. If you if you ask the question more generically, so for murder or for people convicted of murder, you get something more like fifty and fifty-one percent. More recently, the British Social Attitude Survey, the most recent I could find in fifth in twenty fourteen, found that only forty-eight percent supported it when it was framed as some crimes. So. Um, and, but that was still only against um, uh, something like 35 percent who opposed it. So um, there's always been support and I think this number um, you know when it, when it's framed like this, I think isn't at all surprising. it's sort of in line with with what people think. I mean the interesting thing here is that despite that, it is obviously something that is massively on the fringes of mainstream political debate. I guess the only people who would seriously want it debated are say UKIP and some, parts of the right of the Tory party um and I guess it's sort of it's the touchstone issue of one where the political elite just has a different view political elite in the very wider sense to sort of um uh broadsheet reading mm. um uh, uh types um have a different view from public opinion and just essentially close down the debate for better or worse and that's kind of how it is and it's sort of, I suppose the numbers do suggest that there always is that potential, uh, I'm gonna say worryingly potential, because worrying potential, because I certainly feel th- feel this way, um, that a, a, a populist party, presumably of the right, could say that they're gonna uh, bring it back and suddenly find that there's a lot of public support well, for it. I, I so gonna... I just, sorry, just finish that thought. I do wonder though, whether again, a bit like no deal, these numbers are a bit soft and when you started having debate, a bit like say, the Irish um, abortion referendum, where actually you take a couple of years to have a proper societal debate and you talk about all the pros and cons and the risk of and you know evidence shows that this is absolutely guaranteed to happen of people being killed wrongly um, and, and miscarriages of justice and so on that actually once people are forced to properly think about it, whether those numbers might move.
0: I was going to say, I mean, just uh, listening to you talk then, I mean, I started off this uh, topic thinking, well, you know, I sort of said, well, Sajid Javid's policy is very different from people actually supporting, bringing the death penalty back in this country, and it's probably not going to happen anyway. But then as you were talking, I sort of started thinking, well, presumably Americans thought that about issues like Roe versus Wade and abortion, and yet here we are with Trump nominating another conservative Supreme Court justice. And that's kind of reopening the issue. Very different political system, I accept. But, you know, it's potentially reopening an issue to be to be confirmed, of course, that people thought was settled. I mean, is it possible in, in in a world where Britain does leave the European Union like in the way that the Jacob Rees-Mogg's of this world want to and is outside of all the European Court of Human Rights jurisdictions and all that sort of stuff. I mean, is it possible, actually, that the Conservative Party does try and revisit this issue in the future? Because, I mean, as you say, it does have public support and we don't know how strong or soft that is. But, I mean, is it... Should we be that complacent, shall we say, that this is on the fringes as you describe it? or could? Yeah, I, around, I, I don't could know. It, could I mean, it, it would
1: back? obviously be very much a doubling down of um, the Tories to move away from the Remain voters that they um, have sort of particularly picked up uh, sort of in the 2010 kind of era um, and going and, and becoming more and more a socially conservative leave type constituency. Uh, I guess it could happen. You could see an electoral argument for it. I mean, I think it's... Uh, It's worth noting um, on your point there of sort of referring to U.S. politics that if you look at Gallup's polling in the U.S., support for the death penalty there is very clearly drifting down. Um, It's now the most recent I can see in 2017. Uh, So October last year was 55 in favour, 41 against, which is, as far as I can see, the closest it's ever been. So So that's a plus 14 net. If you go back to 94 then it was 80% support, 16% opposed, so a, a plus 64 net. So that's fallen a lot in 23 years um, and does seem to be narrowing pretty consistently. And I think mm. the same is the case in, in issues like abortion. That it, Although you could pitch it as the US is reopening the debate and this is sort of becoming more of a trend, I would really resist that. I think that we will continue to see, I mean, okay, continue to see is is too strong, but we have seen over the last few years and there's not yet any evidence to the contrary that there is internationally a liberalizing of attitudes like uh, on the death penalty and abortion. So Mm. were the Tories to say we're going to uh, seriously consider bringing it back, I can see how you can make a sort of domestic political argument for it, but I think it would make them look particularly out of step with global trends
0: I I agree, I agree with most of that. I just wonder whether the messaging here becomes quite important. So one would imagine that Roe versus Wade, let's go back to that example I used, um, the message won't be that they're banning abortion, let's say. The message will be that they're turning it back to the states and they'll try and make it a states rights issue. And I imagine that will be how they try and justify it in the Supreme Court. If indeed the Supreme Court does overturn it, we don't know that that will necessarily happen. You can imagine a scenario where 10 years from now people say, uh, well, if you've committed treason against the United Kingdom, and that word has been used a few times uh, this week, actually, in some of, uh, I think the Telegraph might be one of them, then you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, in certain circumstances, then this is the ultimate punishment. I mean, I, I can see how there's a slippery slope rather than, rather than saying, like, Peter Hitchens style, you know, you're going to be hanging from a rope until you're you know and all this sort of stuff bring back the gallows I don't, I don't see that but i just wonder whether there might be a a piecemeal attempt to reopen the debate but i guess we'll have to wait and see um there's one other topic i wanted to just briefly cover before we go and that's this um, north antrim and it's probably not not a lot of polling around it but something that for listeners to watch so this is uh, ian Paisley jr um uh being a uh suspended from parliament and from the dup over corruption allegations which uh seem pretty watertight but who knows there are allegations let's see uh, let's see what comes out of all of that Um, but there is there is a potential however unlikely for a by-election in in North Antrim if uh, the people of that constituency 10% of them um, sort of sign a sort of recall petition and my understanding although it's not clear that has to be paper post that can't be online so it might be very difficult Um, but if they do then there'll be a by-election and of course You know, the DUP votes are very important to uh, the Prime Minister, aren't they, on Brexit at the moment? So one to watch, do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you are are frankly uh, more more well informed about um, politics in Northern Ireland than I am. Um, I mean, I guess my limited understanding is that um, it's not a constituency where it's very likely to see um, a uh, strongly uh, um, pro-Labour, uh, candidate winning I mean it feels like um, this is something where the government should be reasonably confident but I guess there's always the potential for some weird result to be thrown up
0: mm. I mean I suspect just for the benefit of listeners uh, Ian Paisley Jr. gets 60% of the vote um, in North Antrim at the last general election and this is not a place where if the unionist vote is split um, then the Sinn Féin come through the middle so I, I it's one to watch I suspect all being equal that you know the worst case scenario for the DUP is that they, they, Ian Paisley runs as an independent against them and quite difficult to know how that would go. I mean, you'd imagine the Paisley brand is pretty strong in that area, but then maybe the sons isn't as strong as the fathers and, you know, he is being done for corruption. So, I mean, it doesn't feel like a, a vehicle for overturning the DUP machine, really, does it? But um that is a long, long, long way ahead. I mean, I suspect the biggest issue is going to be – um trying to get a vote of whatever kind whether his own vote or another dup vote back in time for when the key parliamentary votes happen on brexit because as we know and as Vince cable learned every vote counts in the end but i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't overplay it i mean the end of the day um my understanding like i say and people you know listeners who have a different view do get in touch my understanding is they can't just do this petition online so you know we've got july and august people on holiday I don't know. I don't know how much enthusiasm. 10% is actually more than you might think in terms of the number of people to get to sign a petition in a particular area. But I suppose if anywhere is going to do it, Northern Ireland can do it. Um, anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. Big thanks to Leo Barassi uh, for joining me again. As ever, if you want to support the podcast, please do share us on social media or tell a friend. Give us a positive rating on iTunes or all the podcast apps and maybe a nice comment. Um, we do really appreciate it and it helps the Uh, algorithm gods push our podcast out there to more people which is the name of the game but for now back to the sunshine and thanks for listening